0: Well, good morning, Thrive Church. Here we are again, back online. So glad to see all of you digitally speaking today. Hey, uh, before I get started here, I wanted to just acknowledge the fact there are a number of churches that have decided to um, start meeting together live. And um, we've decided uh, not to do that yet. Um, Our game plan, if you'll remember, was to reevaluate everything uh, at the beginning of June. And we're going to just Continue at that timeline. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be watching the medical data that's coming out, uh, so that we can make a determination of when it would be appropriate for us to start meeting um, together live, face to face, with uh, probably with masks and fist bumps, and you know that sort of thing. Plenty of hand sanitizer. So stay tuned as we uh, uh, as we watch that data come in, and um, you know certainly. We'd love to hear, you know, kind of what your thoughts are. So feel free to shoot us an email about that or get in touch with any one of the staff members Um, because we kind of want to know, you know, what you would feel safe with. So um, we're in this series called Prayer uh, because there's, frankly, a lot of things to be praying about. We say that every single week, and and I think there's still plenty of things to pray about. Even when times are good, there's plenty of things to pray about, and we're— um, working our way through a number of verses, and what this has turned out to be is kind of a tour of the New Testament, so to speak. Um, we've been um, looking at the, the words of Jesus, then we looked at Paul, and uh, today we're going to go somewhere going to go somewhere new. But uh, before we get there, uh, if you've committed to praying five minutes a day, just kind of wondering how that's going again, and if you're able to do it all seven days, pray five minutes every single day. Go ahead and give us a heart um, if you're on Facebook. And uh, if you've got, eh, say, three, four days, five days, you didn't get the full seven, that's great. Um, too. go ahead and give us a thumbs up. And if you weren't able to do it at all, hey, that's okay, there's no judgment here, but give us a little haha uh, emoji so that we have an idea that uh, we have some folks who need to hit the reset, and that's cool. Uh, no problem. So if you wouldn't mind doing that so that we can kind of gauge where you're at, that would be awesome. So I hope that uh, you've enjoyed um, this overall experience and committing to five minutes a day. And and I believe that ultimately and eventually that will impact your life a little bit more. Um, The whole point to this, (laughs) the whole point, is just to keep this idea of prayer, which is simply, again, talking with God, just trying to keep that idea in the front of your mind all the time um, if you can do it just five minutes a day you might find yourself doing it more or you might uh, do it a couple of times during the day um, all of it is good anytime you can connect with the father you can te- connect with with the spirit is is good for your your soul and I hope that that does nourish you um, so to help with this and to continue our tour of the New Testament we're uh, going to be uh, looking at the book of James today, uh, James chapter five, to to be uh, specific. So I'm going to read through the segment that uh, we're going to examine, and then I'm going to come back and pull it apart like we've been doing most weeks. So let's uh, open a Bible, uh, if you got it, or type it into your to your app, James chapter five, towards the end of the book, and we're going to begin with verse 13. Here's what James writes. <clears throat> Is any of you, any one of you, in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord, and we believe it. Now, now there's a lot of stuff that's going on in this particular segment of Scripture. But I think there's some um, important things that we can draw out of it. So let's take this kind of verse by verse and and see what we can we can learn. So first, um, right o- out of the gate is this idea of prayer. If uh, is anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy, let them sing songs of praise. So in in the first case, you have, is anyone among you in trouble? Now, this is a really interesting word because <clears throat> um, when we think of trouble, uh, we think like, um, you know, very often that uh, a person has violated something. Uh, like a law or a rule uh, or a societal norm or something like that? Are they in trouble? Um, In this particular case, the word that's being used here carries with it the idea of suffering, specifically suffering hardship. Um, May or may not be illness, but in, in this case, it's some type of emotional, maybe financial, but it's the idea of suffering hardship that's going on here. So is anyone among you suffering? And look what the prescription is: let them pray. Now, surprise, surprise, right? <clears throat> but but here's the truth of the matter: if if you think about it, you're going to get to that point anyway, right? I mean I mean think about it: when you're in trouble, when you're dealing with something that's unpleasant, or you're suffering through something, you're going to st- stress about it. You're going to fuss and cuss and and you're going to try everything, right? And when you get to the end of that and nothing's worked, then you decide you're going to pray. <laughs> we all do this. So, you know, don't think that I'm I'm coming from, you know, a kind of self-righteous position here. I do the same thing. But I do. I, I try to solve problems and, and avoid the suffering as much as I possibly can on my own. And then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to pray about it. Well, here's a pro tip. Pro tip is, why don't you start with prayer? You're eventually going to get there, so why don't you just begin with prayer? So if you're going through something like suffering or hardship, start with prayer. That's what James is ultimately saying here, is that person should pray. But then um, it says, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And this idea of happiness is cheerful or in good spirits. I mean, it uh, uh, makes sense. And, and what, it, what it suggests here is to sing. And, and the word um, that's used uh, kind of reminds us of the Psalms, um, that type of, of singing. Um, very different than what we have today, but you know, praise and worship music. And here, here's the thing, though. If you, if you really think about it, singing can be a prayer of sorts, can it? I mean, why? Because you're talking with God. You just happen to be doing it in a musical way. And, and hopefully, you know, some of it rhymes <laughs> a little bit. But the, the point is, is that you're actually singing to God. You're praising or thanks, thanking him for something that he's done if you're cheerful Here's another pro tip. If you need some inspiration, I've got a nine-year-old that I could send to your house because pretty much she's singing something uh, 16 hours out of the day. Usually praise and worship music with the occasional show tune or Disney song thrown in for good measure. I'll let your imagination run wild with with that. But the point is, is that she's a cheerful spirit most of the time. And so she's constantly singing. And that's exactly what James is talking about here. And maybe you've got someone like that in your home too. They just kind of naturally break out in song. Uh, Sometimes I feel like my house is a musical just waiting to happen. (laughs) But I want you to notice something else in this verse that I think is really interesting is that there's a spectrum here. If, If you look at it, James is laying out something for us if you're down or if you're up if you're experiencing something negative or if you're experiencing something positive if something is bad or if something's good ultimately what he's pressing us to do is to talk with god so regardless of the sets of circumstances it is always appropriate for us to talk with god and I think that's something that we should carry with us, especially if you're committing to five minutes a day. Because I think oftentimes when we think of prayer, all we're going to do is you know, give our laundry list of things that we need and we ask God for. But really, there's, there's a spectrum here because human beings don't just have one emotion. We have a lot of emotions. And so in this particular case, what James is saying is regardless of where you are on the spectrum emotionally, talk with God. Just talk with him. So moving on to verse 14, um, he changes a little bit. He says, is anyone um, among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now the idea for sickness here is, is any person weak? That's the, the, the idea that's pulled in with this word. Without strength. And so the idea um, that James is trying to, to push here is: Look, if you're in that type of situation, if you're if you're weak because you're ill, or if you're weak because of whatever the circumstance is, call the elders. Why? Because you need some help. You you need to borrow some strength in that in that set of circumstances, and it's perfectly acceptable and appropriate to do that. Call the elders and they will pray and anoint with oil now here's the thing he says um, first that the the, to call the elders of the church to pray over you Um, surprise surprise you can't because you're weak so let another person talk with god on your behalf that's ultimately what we're saying here if you're in that set of circumstances borrow the strength of someone else allow them to speak to God on your behalf now this is not this is not new there are you know places within the Gospels where we find Jesus being astonished at the faith of the friends of a particular person who is uh, infirmed um, and uh, heals the uh, if I remember right it was a, a, a lame person and um, because of the faith of the friends, you, you remember the story. They actually cut a hole in the roof so that they could, you know, drop the the invalid down, um, and Jesus could heal them. And he looks at the faith of the friends, and and ultimately does the healing. That's what's going on here. Is that look if you can't do it on your own, then borrow the strength from someone else. Call the elders. Allow them to pray for you. And then it says here to anoint with oil. Now, anointing with oil has a A lot of different implications to it. But within the Old Testament, um, we know that oil, particular oils, were used to dress wounds, um, either as an antiseptic or as a way of of helping to to heal those wounds. But also, and I think this is important, oil was used to consecrate um, both priests and kings, rulers. So they were anointed with oil and they were shown to be uh, picking up uh, an important office, whether it was a priest or if it was some type of a ruler. And so there's this idea that's going around, I think it was Craig Keener who pointed this out, is that early Christians took the medicinal symbol of oil and also the, the symbol of oil as a, as a, a, a fresh uh, power from God and kind of combined them together and used that symbolism in the course of prayer in order to help facilitate healing. So keep that in mind. Is that if you're if you're sick or if you're weak from set of circumstances, ask others to talk with God on be your on your behalf. And as they do, and they anoint you with oil, you receive fresh power, fresh strength, and hopefully healing from the Lord through that simple act. Now this isn't. Um, uh, necessarily what we would call um, you know a healing miracle but rather this is God answering prayer and this is something that everybody can do this is not a gift of a spiritual gift of healing that only a few may have but rather if you're a Christian you are called in many respects to pray for the health of others because there might be a time where you need it <laughs> at some point so when we um, are aware of friends or family or you know, someone within the church who is ill or without strength, we should pray for them. And um, the elders of the church will come along and anoint oil on them and pray for them. And, and it says here that, that God actually answers those prayers. So moving on to, them, uh, to verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, will make the weak person strong. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven." Which is just kind of an odd verse, I think. Very strange. But, but the truth of the matter is, is, the Old Testament prophets often used healing as an image for forgiveness. So those two things are, are combined. And if you'll remember, again, Jesus did the same thing, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to get up, uh, take your mat and walk. You know, the, the point is, is that the, the Son of God has that type of authority. And so here we see a very similar type of thing is that there's healing, God will raise them up and if they've sinned, they will be forgiven by it. So he goes on and says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This requires maybe a little um, mental uh, effort kind of sort through because the truth of the matter is we don't like the idea of confession do we i mean really we really don't this idea of confessing things um there's a variety of reasons for that i suppose but forgiveness seems to clear the way for healing and i think that's an important thing to remember We don't like confession, largely because it makes us feel vulnerable, and we don't like that. Um, But forgiveness tends to open up the possibility for healing. Because sometimes the illness that we have, sometimes the sickness, sometimes the weakness comes from sins that we're engaged in. Um, Things that we know are contrary to what God wants for us. And then you'll notice the very next sentence, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Well, how? Well, partially because of confession. And so I want to make two comments about, about confession because I think this is really important for us to think about. Confession is certainly uncomfortable. Again, we have to admit that uh, we don't have it all together. And nobody, nobody likes doing that. We don't like admitting the fact that we, we don't have... Uh, all of our ducks in a row, that we don't have everything the way that we, we want them to or, or the way other people think we ought to have them. And it makes us vulnerable, and none of us really likes to feel vulnerable. But to have somebody in your life who has grace and mercy for you makes that a lot easier. So if, if you're in a position where you need some healing, you need some strength, and maybe you need some for forgiveness, confess. The first one is the hardest, by the way, first time you do it. But on the flip side, and I think this is important for all Christians to understand, if you're in a position to hear someone else confess, please do it with a measure of love, extra measure of love, actually. Make sure you're the person who has the grace and mercy for that individual um, you needed it once in your life too and you might need it again. So from a point of confessing to one another, be vulnerable with each other. Just admit the fact that you're in this straits so that you need some forgiveness and allow that relationship to be filled with, with the love that Jesus has for us. Now, certainly, you should confess your sins to God, but there is something very therapeutic, very cathartic about confessing to someone else and that person saying to you, you're, you're forgiven. Now, I'm not talking about the Catholic sort of confessional thing. This is just Christian on Christian. This is follower of Jesus to follower of Jesus, disciple on disciple, and just saying, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm wrestling with this. Um, maybe I shouldn't be. It's good to get that out uh, we call it externalizing things because there it is. And once you shine light on on those issues, they tend to shrivel up and go away. Confession is very good, but it's in a context of a relationship, one that's characterized by love. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then um, there's an Old Testament uh, illustration that, that James talks about. Elijah, the prophet, was a human being. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. So here's a prophet of God that is righteous. And that's the type of prayer that he was able to pray. Very powerful, very effective. Uh, If you know some of the story of Elijah, it, it drove the point home. It got the king's attention. It got the nation's attention that this was this was occurring, and it set up a, a final showdown between um, himself and the prophets of another false god. But the thing to remember about Elijah is that he was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there's some evidence to suggest that uh, he had. Some foul language that he used. <clears throat> but also, even after he had a major victory against those same prophets, he ran away because he was scared. And uh, he didn't get everything right. But he was still righteous before God. And his prayers were still powerful and effective. So when we're talking about righteousness here, we're not talking about perfection, but it does mean that we're forgiven. And so keep that in mind as you go through this, that you're made righteous by God. We're going to talk more about that in a second. James goes on to write, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You know, Keep love in mind throughout all of this. Keep this idea of love in mind. It's not the idea of love them enough to tell them that they're sinning. That's not what I'm suggesting here. You confront a person's sin only if the Holy Spirit is telling you to do that. And you better be prayed up about it. And there's always that idea of confrontation with grace and mercy. Always. Always. Keeping that in the forefront of your mind. And, and, and here's the thing, <clears throat> and, and I've heard this before, and you probably have too, this idea of loving a person enough to tell them when they're wrong. Um, my question is, you need to check your own heart at that moment. Because do you have their best interest at heart? Or is it such that you just want to be right? That's a, that's a tough thing, actually. And if you don't have their best interests at heart, and if you're not filled with love and compassion and mercy and grace for them, my question is, why not? You might want to check in with Jesus about that one uh, before you love someone enough to tell them that they're wrong. Um, And, frankly, you might want to confess that you don't have that love in your heart. Just saying. I've been convicted... Um, by the central idea here, this prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Because I want powerful and effective prayers. I don't know about you, but I come across, because of my job, and uh, maybe maybe because of how I'm wired and my personality, is I come across people all the time that could use prayer, and I want my, my prayers to be powerful and effective. And so if I want that, then I need righteousness. Those two things go hand in hand. It's the prayer of a righteous person, male or female, that is powerful and effective. And not in the sense of self-righteousness, of like, well, I got all the answers. That, that's not what, what it means at all. Um, I need the idea of righteousness that's given out by God. And, and this is, comes back to the idea that John Wesley uh, put forward know, 300 years ago, the idea of holiness. That we are holy because he is holy and he makes us holy. Or if you like the old school term, it's sanctification. That you are first justified when you believe and then over a period of time, the Holy Spirit sanctifies you, makes you holy, changes your motives and fills you with love for other people. And the best way to do that is to have constant contact with God. That's really what holiness and sanctification are about, is being connected to God uh, frequently, constantly, over the course of your day. And I've noticed that um, I want to be righteous when I'm chasing after God. It's something that I want more of. Um, again, again, it's not self-righteousness, but when you feel yourself changing, when you, when you begin to feel yourself chasing after God and seeing the, your internal thoughts change, the things that you used to care about you don't care about anymore, the anxiousness kind of goes away, you want more of that. <clears throat> and so if you're committing to this five minutes of prayer a day this week and you want your prayers to be powerful and effective... I wonder if you might start with, well, start with a poet. And, and here's the poem. It's found in Psalm 139. The poet says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is an, a, any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a great poem place to begin if you want your prayers to be powerful and effective. Start with where you are in your own heart and ask God to do some searching, to point out those things. Now, it sounds scary, but the truth of the matter is you probably already know that there are some things deep down inside that keep you from having effective, and powerful prayers. You probably already know what they are. And God is going to point those things out to you and very gently and lovingly say, hey, let's work on these. Now, quick caution. If you feel condemned because of something that God's pointing out, that's not from God. I've said this before. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is when you, you get the sense of somebody doing their finger or being very disappointed in you. And and I don't find that's the way God treats me. But rather there's a conviction in my heart where God says, Oh, you're missing out. I don't I don't want you to miss out. I have something better for you. And so God search me and know my heart and all my anxious thoughts and and let me know if there's any offense in me. Not from a condemning standpoint, from a conviction that, God, you have something so much better. And you, when you really sense that God is cleaning up some of those places in your heart that that aren't serving you at all. And then slowly by slowly, you'll begin to see your prayers become more powerful and more effective. It's not going to happen overnight, but it happens over a period of time. And so, start there. I'm, I'm convinced that things like revival, um, things like healing, like love, always happen on an individual basis before they happen on a corporate basis. And I um, recorded a video uh, not too long ago. You probably have seen it on the Facebook page where I really believe that the isolation that we're the self-imposed isolation, the quarantining, whatever we're calling it, sheltering in place. Um, I really believe that it's an opportunity for God to do those things in our hearts, um, rather than you know just being an inconvenience. I really think there's an opportunity for you to go before God and simply say, "God, search me," because when I get around other people, I want to have love for them. I want to have powerful and effective prayers for them. But it all starts with me personally. It all starts with you and where you are with God. So start there. And when we all get together, watch what happens. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for men like James who kind of get up in our face a little bit and talk to us about hard things like confession, and uh, righteousness, and Lord, I pray that every person who's listening to this would would take that to heart, would really sense that um, you have something in mind for them, that <clears throat> you um, you want to bring them to a point of righteousness, so that they have effective and powerful prayers, because that's what we long to see, God. And I, I really think that's what the kingdom is about. And so, God, would you begin? your kingdom, in each one of us individually. I pray that we'd have wisdom to know what to do and the courage to ask you to search us. And Lord, meet every person where they are and allow them to experience your love in new ways. I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.